Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up Team Revo? Great to see you guys today. Thanks for crashing the party. If you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in, whether you're at the beach or the mountains or at home, in the bed, on the couch, whatever. Um, And we're just glad that you're here today. Um, On uh, January 28th, uh, 1966, the the U.S. uh, Space Shuttle Challenger uh, was about to be launched. Now, the launch had already been delayed multiple times because of things going on, so NASA, at this point, was really anxious and really excited about getting this crew of seven into space. But something unusual happened in Cape Canaveral, Florida, that morning in January. It was cold. Uh, unusually cold. In fact, uh, temperatures were below freezing. Um, Overnight, icicles had formed over the launch pad uh, right where the crew was entering the rocket, getting ready to take off. Now, research from the rocket scientists showed that the gaskets that held the fuel tank together and sealed the fuel tank uh, were not uh, as reliable as temperatures went down. In fact, they had never been tested in temperatures below freezing. And for this reason, one of the rocket engineers by the name of Alan McDonald stepped up that morning and said, we should not launch the rocket this morning. I know we've already delayed it three or four times and news cameras are here and you want to get it up in the air, but this is, this is not the right thing to do. It's not safe. It's never been tested. We don't know if the gaskets will be compromised and we will have a, an, an a, unmitigated disaster on our hands this morning or not. He stood up and voiced that despite a lot of the other engineers and NASA bosses saying, yeah, but you don't understand, we have to get this launch up. It costs us so much money and so much time, and, and everyone is looking at us to succeed. We have to do that. And, and despite him stepping up and just adamantly being against this launch happening, that it was not safe, that it was totally unpredictable, Um, NASA decided to go with the launch anyway. And uh, 73 seconds after launch, this happened. Huge explosion. The gaskets failed because of the temperature. And seven crew members, six astronauts, and one elementary school teacher lost their life. Pay attention to who you have around you. Pay attention to the voices that you are listening to in your life because listening to the wrong voices and being surrounded by the wrong people will cost you. Now, I'm not trying to uh, make light of a national tragedy where some people died, but for some people, even in this room and watching online, that is where your life is headed. Your family, your marriage, your career, your finances, your hopes, your dreams up in smoke because you've surrounded yourself with the wrong people. You're listening to the wrong advice. 
your circle is filled with people that don't care about the right things, that aren't offering you the things that you need in order to walk in the life that God has called you to. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to ask you a question, ask you to do something today. Check your circle. Who do you have around you? Who do you listen to? Who do you trust? Who do you go to for advice? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Your friends, the people at work, uh, your neighbors. Who's speaking into your marriage? Who's speaking into your life, into your family? Uh, Who's helping you with the decisions that you make? Uh, Who do you have in your circle? I want to look at a really cool story in Exodus chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, let's do Exodus chapter 18. All the sermon notes will be in the app if you don't have the, the Revo app. Uh, You could download that and follow along with us. I want to show you a really pivotal point in the life of Moses. This was a time where the people that he had surrounded himself with would ultimately put his life on a very different path. And and I want to share with you really this morning four things. These These are four things that as you think about who your friends are, who your circle is, as you check your circle this morning... I want to see if these four things are evident in the life of the people that you have surrounded yourself with. So here's four things, if you're taking notes, four things to jot down. These are people that you need to have in your circle. If not, I'm telling you, your life is headed to destruction. And finally, after I share with you those four things, I want to share you one thing that you need to do, right? Four things that you need to look for, four people that you need to look for, and then one really, like, like heads up, it's going to be really hard. Really, the most difficult part of the entire message is at the end. One thing that, that you're going to do in your life uh, in order to, to reap the benefits of these people that you have in your circle. So in uh, chapter 18 of the book of Exodus, we're going to continue with the story and uh, look at who Moses has in his circle and how this changed the course of his life and what you and I have at stake right now. Uh, Verse 1, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. Earlier, Moses had sent his wife, Zipporah, and his two sons back to Jethro, who had taken them in. So we start the story out, uh, Moses' wife uh, probably comes up to Moses and says, Hey, I'm thinking about going home for the weekend, and I take a little trip to my dad's house. Do you want to go with us? And Moses is like, super busy this weekend, totally slammed. Cannot, I want to go, cannot go. Why don't you go without me? I'm going to catch up with some work here. You know I love your in-laws, but listen, like, just go without me. She goes without him. Moses sticks to the grind, works some extra overtime that weekend while, while they're gone. And, and it's interesting because uh, when Moses' wife got home, she started to tell her dad about everything that God had been doing. Like all the stories that we've read, everything, like just blow by blow, she is telling her, it's like, Dad, you're not going to believe this. And then this happened, and it was crazy, and, and I wish you could have been there. And then you, you, don't, you won't believe what God did. And it started piquing Moses' interest, or uh, Jethro's interest, her dad. And until so finally, it got to the point in verse 5 where Jethro's like, I, I got to come visit y'all. I, like, I got to come see this for myself. Verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent a message to Moses earlier saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, are coming to see you with your wife 
and your two sons. Jethro calls them, said, hey, make the bed in the guest bedroom, put a mint on the pillow, like I'm coming. I've heard some crazy things, like you and I need to sit down and talk. I've heard some wild, wild things about what God has done and has spent some time with the grandkids and, and, and with my daughter. And so I'm, I want to come and, and see you and see everything that God has done. Jeth- Jethro was so impressed with what God had done that he had to come and actually see it for himself. So told Moses to get the, get the guest house ready uh, because dad's coming into town. Verse 7, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down low and kissed him, a traditional greeting. Uh, they asked each other about the other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh in Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told him about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all of their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he had rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. So father-in-law comes in the door to give each other the high five, hug on the back, whatever they do. They come in, the, come in the house, and I can imagine like if I were Moses this time, this is when I would pull my phone out, and I would say, listen, listen, bro, I got some stories to tell you. You pull out your, your photo reel, like, let me show you the time that God spoke to me in the burning bush. Took a picture of it, let me zoom in. Notice the bush is not burning, okay? It's on fire not burning. Now this is a picture of me. Aaron took this, me standing next to Pharaoh. Yeah, most powerful person in the world. No big deal. Standing next to Pharaoh, me telling him what to do and him not listening to me. And then, like, let me show you, go down the reel again. These 10 pictures symbolize 10 different plagues that happened. That 10th one was a doozy, right? That got his attention. And so he's scrolling through his photos. Let me show you this, Dad. Hey, check out this. Look at what I've done. And then he said, we were finally released. And, and then God parted the Red Sea. A photo would not do it, so I took a video of it. He shows the video, sea parting. Isn't this crazy? Look, it's dry ground. This is me at this point. Like the camera's, It's like selfie mode here. I'm walking through the Red Sea. Amazing that this happened. We got to the other side, and I don't even, I, like, I, I asked Aaron to get this, but he was holding it landscape instead of portrait, and so it didn't work out. But there was this one time where I had my staff, and I struck a rock, and water came out of it. I took a picture of the rock. Doesn't do it justice. You had to be there. Crazy stuff is happening here, Dad. Like, this is wild. And your boy, your daughter's husband, you told me I'd never make it to anything. I'm the guy leading the whole thing. So no big deal, right? Just walking through. And like, Jethro's like, you got to be kidding me. God did that. Wow. Like, this is, a, this is an incredible story. And we see uh, his father-in-law's response right here. Praise the Lord. PTL, Jethro said. For he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he's rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I now know that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. And right there we see the first characteristic, the first trait, the first thing that you and I need to look for as we check our circle this morning. We see the description of Jethro here in his attributes, and his characteristics. Here's the first thing, if you're uh, taking down notes, jot this down. Number one, in your circle, you need to find people that love God. 
do a little check right now, man. Who's in your circle? Who's your friends? Who are your influences? Who are the people that you go to for advice? Who do you listen to? Who do you watch? Who do you try to emulate? And the biggest question, the first thing we learn here, that, that as Moses shows us his circle, is Jethro was a man that loved God. Jethro worshiped God, he praised God, he honored God, he sacrificed to God, and this is huge. I don't, I don't know if you, you, you know this, like, let, me, let me try to expand on it a little bit, but you have to understand that people that do not love God and people that love God are totally different people. Like, I know some of you are like, no, I got some friends, and maybe they're not Christians, and maybe they don't love God, but listen, we're really similar, right? We like the same things, we do the same things, we dress the same way, we act the same way. I'm telling you, you don't understand how totally opposite those two groups of people are. People that love God and follow God, and people that do not love God and do not follow God. You think totally different. At your core, you are totally different. Total set of morals and values and a compass that guides your life. You could not be any more different. Let me, let me give you some examples. Check your circle on these things. Are, are these the type of people that you're surrounding yourself with? People that love God. Here's what people that do not love God, don't believe in God. They're going to say things like this. Uh, in your life, do whatever makes you happy. It doesn't, doesn't matter how it affects anybody else. It doesn't matter if anybody else thinks it's right or wrong. You just need to do what makes you happy. Where someone that loves God is going to look you in the face and say, you need to do what God tells you to do, regardless of whether or not you're happy or you like it. See the big difference there? Whatever makes you happy, whatever God tells you to do. Those are two totally different responses. People that don't love God, don't believe in God, aren't following Jesus, they're going to look at you and say, just take care of yourself. You don't have time to worry about everyone else. Don't worry about how it affects other people. Don't worry about what it does to other people. You just do you, boo-boo, right? And a follower of Jesus is going to look at you and say, you do realize that Jesus himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve my entire life was about pouring out and investing and helping and serving others, not myself. That's totally different. It's all about you, and Jesus says, think about others and put others in front of yourself. Somebody that doesn't follow Jesus is going to say, it's your money, you do whatever you want to with it. Somebody that follows Jesus is going to look at you and say, you do realize everything you have is a blessing from God, and so you need to ask yourself how you're going to honor him with everything that you have totally different lifestyle. Totally different. Other people, when it comes to truth and what is right and wrong, people that don't believe in God are going to look at you and say, there's no such thing as truth. Truth is whatever you think is true. It's your truth. You can have your truth, and I can have my truth. And followers of God are going to say, base your life on what God has called us to do and what he has defined as right or wrong, whether you think it's right or wrong or not. Totally different directions in life. Totally different advice. Totally different people that you surround yourself with. Finally, people that don't believe in God, don't believe that there's a heaven or a hell or any of this matters, are just going to look at you and say, look, man, you only live once. You better have fun. Live it up. Enjoy your life. And then when you die, it's all over. 
And a follower of Jesus is going to look at you and say, do you know that your life has a purpose? That you're not here just to throw it away and one day everyone will die and stand in front of God and give an account for every single day we spent here on earth. Do you understand how different those two people are? Vast difference between those. It is obvious that Jethro loved God. And so Moses said, man, if I'm going to surround myself with people that are going to speak into my life and help me to know what I need to do and how to move forward, I want to make sure that we have the same values, that we think the same way, that, that we would operate with the same understanding that God is a top priority in, in my life. Man, who do you have in your circle? Do they love God? Because if not, they're gonna, they may give you totally opposite of advice as to what God has called us to and commanded. First thing we know about Jethro is he loved God. That's a smart decision on Moses' half to check his circle. Verse 13, the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning until evening? Undoubtedly, uh, when Jethro got there, it was bring your father-in-law to work day because Moses brought Jethro to work, and here's what Moses did all day long. He would sit at the, the front on this chair like a judge, and all of the people would bring their disputes to them. Hey, he stole this. She did this. He said this. What is right and what is wrong? And one by one, they would come up to Moses and they would say, Moses, who's right, who's wrong, and what should we do? And Moses would decide and tell the people. And Scripture tells us that Moses did this from morning until evening. And the whole time, Jethro is just standing there watching. I mean, like this, I don't know if you've ever got a speeding ticket in here before. I don't know you guys have, but you've probably met people have. You've heard stories of people that break the law in speed. But if you ever were to catch yourself with a speeding ticket, like the court, this is how the court is going to do. They're going to tell you to show up on a day, and, it, and it's right when court opens up. But they're not going to tell you when your ticket is going to be heard. And so they're going to tell you to be there at 8.30, and it starts at 9. And then by 3.30, you could still be sitting there waiting on your number to be called. And there's even a chance where you could get to the end of the day and the judge gets tired and he says, for everybody that's here that didn't get heard, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 8.30. And guess what? You show up tomorrow morning and you wait in line. This was the scene. That, that, that modern scene, these people just waited morning to evening. They would stand in line in front of Moses just so that Moses could help them discern and help them know what was going on in their life. You could sit there all day and not have a single thing heard, and you'd have to be back there tomorrow morning. And that's what Jethro observed, and it gives us the second area, man, about ch checking your circle. Jot this down. The second thing, you need to find people in your life that listen before they talk. Surround yourself with people, friends, influences. Check your circle. Do the people that you surround yourself listen and observe before they talk. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, I'm gonna just confession time. Um, this might not be the right place, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, do you have people in your life where when they call your phone and you see their name pop up, you know that that right there is a 45-minute call and you ain't got time for that, so you hit the ignore button? Okay. 
If you don't, it's because everybody's doing it to you. <laughs> so you are that guy, right? You, you look at the phone, it's like, look, this is a talker right here. Like this person right here, like I do not have time. I don't have time to hear about the complaining, the gossip. I do not, I cannot talk to this person right now. I might call them back later, like when I got nothing to do and I am not as stressed out as I am right now. The world is full of talkers. The world is full of complainers. The world is full of people that are ready to give you advice on what you should do. You ever met people like that? You don't have to know what's on their mind because as soon as it comes to their mind, it comes out of their mouth. You don't have to ask them what their opinion is of your life or your marriage or your job or your finances or your politics or your situation because they're going to tell you their opinion whether you ask for it or not. They're talkers. That's all they want to do is talk. That's all they want to do is come in and give advice. And I love what Jethro did here. It says he went to work with Moses, and all day long, he just stood off to the side and watched. And he observed. And there's a lot of people standing in line here. And Moses has been sitting on that chair for hours. And his back's got to be hurting. These people are angry. This looks like the Old Testament equivalent of the DMV out here. Man, this is terrible. What is going on? From morning until night, he observed it. And then Jethro did something. I, I love what he did. He, he waited until the evening and pulled Moses aside. He didn't bust his chops in front of all the people, but he pulled Moses aside. And the second thing he did is he asked some questions. He even sought to act, like, gain some clarity. Hey, Moses, like, what's going on here? Do they do this every day? All these people, they just stand in line every day. Like, help me to understand. Like, you see what he's doing here? He's not just like putting his two cents in or offering his opinion unsolicited. He's like, hey man, help me to understand what's going on in your life. Do you have people like that in your life? They will take a minute to take a step back and just observe this is how you're treating your coworkers and your family. And these are the words that are coming out of your mouth and the attitude that you have. Like, do you have anybody in your life that can serve as a fresh perspective to come in and, and help you see some areas of your life that could use some improvement, that you could grow, that you could get, get better at? And we need more people that would just be willing to stand back and listen and observe for the sake of helping people and less people that just want to step in and give their opinion anytime they see something. Check your circle. Are your friends always talking, always complaining, always bad-mouthing, always tearing other people down, always dumping their life on you? Or do you have people that will step in and say, hey, I've been listening, I've been watching, I've been noticing, and I care about you, and I, maybe some things that we can sit down and talk about, man. Like, 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 wait, why, why did you say that? Why did you treat that person this way? Why, why did you do that with your time? Why do you invest your money in these areas? Why, like, well, what's the dynamic with the marriage right here, like when you guys were interacting and talking? Do you have people like that? Thank goodness Jethro had... The, the guts to come up to Moses and, and be willing to observe and listen and then have a desire to help him. See, Jethro here shows that he's a guy of wisdom, he's a guy of discernment, he's a guy of intentionality. Do you have those people in your life? Do you have people that are just wise, that, that you want to surround yourself with? People that are discerning, that can speak truth into your life, even when it's hard to hear. That was Jethro here for Moses. Man, thank goodness somebody was willing to ask Moses the hard questions. Somebody was willing to look at him and say, why are you doing this? What's the purpose behind this? 
Do you understand, like, the, the, the ramifications of this and what's going to happen as a result of this? Man, who's in your circle? Do you have anybody like that speaking like that into your life? Verse 15, like, Jethro just asked him, like, is this what you do all day? Like, why did the people come? Why are they all standing in line? Why, why, are you, why, do, you, why do you do this from sunup to sundown? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. You notice that? That was a bad answer, right? Jethro was like, why are you doing this? And Moses was like, because uh, they asked me to? Uh, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, just one day, somebody came up to me, and I sat down, and then it's been a line ever since, right? <laughs> Never one time thinking about what is my purpose? What are my giftings? What has God called me to do? It's just like just living your life, just floating. I can't, I can't figure out why Moses had surrounded himself with people and no one ever thought to look at Moses and say, why are you doing this? I mean, it took a fresh set of eyes in Jethro to come in and ask the hard questions and say, yeah, but you're not good at this and you're not, this isn't a good use of your talent and your time and your treasures. And, and man, like, you, you, like what, this doesn't make any sense. Have you ever thought about that? And he asked him those tough questions and here was Jethro's response to it. Now, man, th this is not good. What, what you're doing right here, this is a terrible plan. It's a terrible strategy, what you're doing Moses' father-in-law explained, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now, now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representatives before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct your, your lives. Here's the third thing we notice from Jethro right here. Third thing that you need to find, check your friends, the people that are influencing you right now. Do they meet these requirements? Find people that want what's best, not just what's best for you. Do you understand the difference between those two things? Do you have people in your life that want what's best or just what's best for you? Because Jethro here looks and says, Moses, this, what you're doing is not good for you or the people you serve. He goes a step further and says, and on top of that, what you are doing right now, not only bad for you, not only bad for the people that you serve, but it doesn't honor God. Jethro could have stepped in, and maybe you have some, some friends like this, could have stepped in and given him bad advice and just focus on you, just think about you, it's all about you. But Jethro came in and said, there's actually something that you can do that can be best for you, best for the people, and best for God. It's not just about what's best for you, it's about what's best overall. See, our tendency is to find people that are just like us, that only care about us, that think like us, that talk like us, and that will agree with us 100% of the time. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was meeting with a guy um, in my office that uh, had told me, he said, I, uh, I want to divorce my wife. I don't know if he was asking me for my permission or what I thought was, but he said, I want to meet with you. And, and so we began to, to sit down, and, and uh, he made the mistake of mentioning to me um, that he had reached the conclusion that he felt like I need to do what's best for me. I deserve better than this. I deserve to be happy. And then he said this, and he said, and all of my friends agree with me. 
And that's when I hit the pause button in the conversation and in the most loving, pastoral, caring, compassionate, empathetic way that I could muster, I looked at him and I said, hmm, it sounds like you have some dumb friends. <laughs> See, I have like an unorthodox style of counseling, right? Say, man, if your friends told you that you should do what's best for you without taking into consideration your wife or the covenant that you made in front of God, you have some dumb friends. I would lose those friends. Thank God you want, like, I'm not your savior, but I can at least tell you what the Bible says. Like, I can at least help you to think about someone other than yourself. Because there's a best for you, an easiest for you, a most convenient for you, and then there's the best that God has called you to, the best for him, the best for others, and the best for everyone. Uh, I finally got to the bottom of it, though. Come to find out, um, none of his friends were Christians. And so the advice to just hang it up, just throw it up, it doesn't matter, is coming from a group of people that don't even view marriage the same way. And here, here was what made it even richer. I found out that the majority of the friends that he was listening to had either never been married or had already gotten a divorce themselves. And I said, oh, wait, 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 let me get this straight. You're taking marriage advice from a group of single dudes and another group of dudes that couldn't even get their own marriage to work out. You know, I said earlier that it was your friends that were dumb, but I actually think it's you. <laughs> Maybe you're the dumb one. <laughs> He doesn't go to Revo anymore. Hopefully he got plugged in. <laughs> See, Moses, <laughs> hey, I'm going to shoot you straight, man. <laughs> uh, Moses figured out a way to surround himself with people that cared more than just about what was easiest for Moses, but what was best for the people. Jethro could have very easily looked at Moses and said, Moses, you keep grinding, man. You keep earning that paper. You keep being the most powerful person in the room. You keep, keep your thumb. As long as you're the judge, you get to keep these people underneath your thumb, and all, like all, the whole world will be right there in your hands. You just do, forget those people. You just do what's best for you. On the other hand, he could have kind of had somebody to come up to Moses and said, uh, Moses, you just need, you need to quit this job, right? It's not worth it. You need to focus on self-care. You need to take a, take a little sabbatical for yourself, Moses. You just need to take a step back. Who cares if the people are mad? Who cares if it doesn't help? Who cares? You need to hang some lavender and eucalyptus in your shower and take some deep breaths. And it's all about, it's all about you, man. Thank goodness Jethro had, like, those two people are the same. They only care about you. They don't care about what's right. They don't care about how it affects other people. They don't care about what God says. Thank goodness Jethro said, hey, look, what you're doing is wrong, Moses, but here's the deal. I got a solution for you that'll be good for you. It's best for the people, and it honors God. Who's in your circle? Check your circle. Is it just people that care about you? What's easiest? What's fastest? What's best? What's most beneficial for you? Or do you have people that are willing to step back and say, hey, man, maybe, maybe with a little work, you can come up with a solution that is best for everybody. Jethro offers that in a, in a world that is saying it's time to treat yourself. We have a God that says it's time to wrap the towel around your waist and serve others. In a world that says, well, the best thing for you is to focus on you and make sure you're good, and, and yet we follow a man that gave his life for others. Check your circle. 
Who's influencing you? Who's leveraging you? Because I'm telling you, those two paths end in two very, very different places. Moses hears that. Thankfully, Moses had that influence in his life. Jethro looked at Moses and said, look, bro, this is dumb. What you are doing is dumb. You need to do something different, and I'm going to give you some advice. Like, let me j- just hear me out. Let me show you what I think you can do and make this the best for everyone. But select, here's, here's what we do. Select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. Every individual has a different level of leadership influence. Man, I wish I had some more time to get into that. Some people can lead 1,000. Some people can only lead 10. Like, just give people what they can handle. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. And he says, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do it, then you'll be able to endure the pressures, and all of these people will go home in peace. Moses needed some help. And Jethro said, let me tell you who to look for. He looks at his son-in-law and said, check your circle, Moses. The, the third thing, fourth thing is this. Find people of character. If the people that you are listening to and you have surrounded yourself with are not people of high character and integrity, your life is going to crash soon. Your marriage will be in shambles soon. Your family will be destroyed soon. Your finances, your career. If you're following people that lack integrity and character, then you're throwing your life away. See, most of us, when we think about people that we want to surround ourselves with, we think we want powerful people because they they know things and they can connect us. We want influential people. We want rich people because rich people are fun to be around. Like they buy you stuff and you get to experience things with them and go out to eat and that's awesome. Uh, Like we, we think, what can you do to help benefit me? But Jethro says this. He says, when you're looking for people, Moses, four things. Are they capable? Are they trustworthy? Do they love God? And are they honest? It doesn't say anything about here. Do they have power? And can they make you connections? And can they network and open doors? It says, do they love God? Are they capable? Like, can they do it? Are they honest? Are they men and women of integrity? And can you trust them when they speak and offer you guidance? One of the most common traits, uh, did a little research this week, one of the most common traits that people look for in a friend is this, I just want people to have my back. He says, man, if you have my back, then, then you can be my friend. And my argument would be, yeah, but part of having someone's back is when they're heading in the wrong direction, from the back, you kick them in the backside and say, you're ruining your life. And if you're not a woman or a, a man of integrity and character and you don't have a moral compass, then you'll look at someone that is throwing their life away and you'll cheer them on. But if you love God and you're trustworthy and you're a man or woman of integrity and character and you're capable, then you will grab one of your friends by the shirt and shake them and say, if you don't turn around now, you're going to wreck your life. Don't do this, Moses. You're never going to make it. It's not good for you. It's not good for the people. Come on, man. Thank goodness Jethro did that for Moses. Here's how Moses responds to it in verse 24. Man, hardest, hardest verse in the whole story. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his instructions. Moses listened to advice 
and followed godly counsel. The last one is the hardest thing. This is what you and I have to do today. Um, you and I need to be a person of humility. Can you imagine how hard it was for Moses to listen to his father-in-law? Number one, it's his father-in-law, okay? <laughs> Number two, think about who Moses is. Moses is the leader of the nation of Israel. This dude is a priest from Midian. You know where Midian is? Me neither. Nobody does. You imagine this guy, Moses, could have very easily looked at his father-in-law and said, ha ha, let me tell you something, bro. Dial in real here quick, pops. God speaks to me in person. When God wants to speak to me, he sets a bush on fire and speaks directly to me. I don't need to hear from you, okay? I got a stick in my hand that causes plagues to break out and water to come from rocks and all I got to do is this. Look, Pops. And the lake parts. I can do it left-handed. And the water parts. I don't need your advice. I don't need some basic pilgrim like you coming in and trying to tell me what to do. I'm a leader. I've led more people than you've ever seen before. So here's the deal, Dad. Won't you take all your stuff and make the bed and take your advice and won't you go back to Midian before I put you in a home? Instead, the Bible says Moses was humble and he listened to what this godly man spoke into his life. And in this moment, it altered the course of Moses' life, it altered the course of his leadership. People went home happy. Do you have any idea how hard that is? Yeah, you do. Because we all have natural inclinations of pride and arrogance. And there's people right now saying, I don't need any help with my marriage. How old is this kid up here trying to tell me what to do with my life? Trying to tell me how to have a good marriage? Trying to help tell me what the purpose of my life is? Who is this cat? Who does he think he is? When in actuality, man, we all need help. We all need to surround ourselves with people that will push us to be the men and the women that God has called us to be, to do the hard things even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, to call us out on the things when our life is headed in the wrong direction and we're headed towards destruction. Do you have people like that? Who's going to do that for you? I'm excited today because, as you heard Tim say earlier, uh, our small groups are launching today. Uh, they've been meeting for the last three weeks. All the groups take a break during the month of August. And so I'm going to tell you your next step. Maybe you're praying. You're like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, what is my next step? How do I need to respond to what this guy just said? Here he is. Ready? <laughs> you got an opportunity right now to go on discoverevo.com, look up the R groups, and you can sign up for one of the R groups. Um, this will allow you to surround yourself with people that love God and that are moving in the same direction that will help you do the same. It'll give you a chance to set your circle. Um, I, Elizabeth and I are, are leading an R group with some close friends of ours, David and Margaret Todd. We're hosting it in my house. We're going to talk about what it means to have a better marriage. You want a better marriage? Surround yourself with people that want a better marriage. Sign up for it. You can sign up for it today. We have men's groups that meet, women's groups that meet. Uh, couples groups that meet, singles groups that meet. We have groups that meet in the morning, that meet in the evening. We have groups that meet here on campus and groups that meet in people's homes. Like, there's no excuse, man. Check your circle. What do you want to do? This is it. This is the step. 
This is you saying, man, before I head to the explosion, I'm going to make a decision now. I'm going to check my circle. I'm going to surround myself with with people that want to pursue this. Here's the danger. I'll leave you with this verse right here. Proverbs 12, verse 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Foolish people will say, I'm right. I don't need any help. Uh, I can do it myself. Especially don't need to listen to that dude. Especially don't need to open up in front of other people. Really don't need to go over to somebody's house to grow. I can do it on my own. And scripture says that person is what we call a fool. But the wise man says no matter where I am, no matter how good I think I am, I can always benefit from listening to others. I can always benefit from growing to others. Our groups are a 12-week commitment. The average group meets for one hour. I promise you this. I believe those 12 hours over the next three months can alter the course of your marriage, your walk with Jesus, your family, your finances, your career. It can change a lot of things. That's your next step. I want to encourage you to take that this morning. Can I pray for you? God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard. Give us the boldness to take a step. Give us the humility to admit that no matter how good our life seems to be put together, that we can always get better, that we can always grow, that we can always get closer to you. And one of the ways that you've designed that is by being challenged by the people that are around us to push us to become more like Jesus. So God, I pray that today would be the day where excuses were eliminated, that we would stop saying, I'll do it next time or I'll do it next month or I'll I'll try to prioritize it later, but that people would get serious about their marriage and about their finances and about their family and about their relationship with you and about their career and every part of their life and that they would take the next step that's in front of them today. God, show us what to do, and we will do it. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.